Let's give the Lord a big hand. Good morning, morning. Can I have everybody stand up? We want to welcome all our campuses, Chula Vista, San Marcos, City Heights, East County, and Oahu. Say what's up to Oahu. God bless y'all, Oahu. How many of y'all want to be in Oahu? I for sure want to be in Oahu, for sure. There was a golf tournament on TV in Oahu, and I, was, I heard a little bird. I was like, I want to be in Oahu. Anyway. Uh, God bless y'all. I'm so happy, and uh, I'm so excited about today, probably more than I've been in a long time, and I'll tell you in a few minutes why. Um, everybody excited, for ch- ready for church today? Yes. You're on day, uh, uh, day seven of our fast, so one th- you're one-third away, two more weeks, amen? Here's a th- Whatever you are fasting, make sure you are spending more time with God and you are hearing God. That's the whole point. You want to separate yourself from whatever so you can be with God and hear his voice and be empowered by him. Every morning at 8 a.m., I am doing a, a live prayer on Instagram Live. At My Instagram is at Miles McPherson if you want to jump on every day through this fast, uh, 8 a.m. And we're praying for 15 minutes to get you going for the day. It's 15 minutes. Boom. We're going through Hebrew names of God. Uh, everyone say Yehovah. Yehovah. And we say Jehovah, but it's Yehovah. Shama. The Lord is there. So he is here. Amen. God is here. Lord, we pray you bless us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Encourage us. Challenge us. Challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I want to be challenged. Raise your hand if you want to be challenged today. Amen. Very good. Very good. Uh, Please don't come to church to check the box. Come to church to be challenged. God, make me more like you. Can I get amen? Amen. Okay. So here's challenge number one. I I have been incredibly burdened ever since I got saved for people who don't know Jesus. Incredibly burdened for people who don't know Jesus. And ever since I got saved, which was 1984, 38, 39 years ago now, I've been sharing my faith. And um, now, um, and and I have the burden more today than ever before. Um, But I'm old. (laughs) I say I'm old, I'm old. You know, uh, 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 time is running out and I want to multiply. So this... Saturday, how many of y'all have people in your life? How many of you have five people in your life? Five who you would, <laughs> you know, you're raise your hand already. <laughs> I got five people. <laughs> how many of you have five people in your life who you would love for them to know who Jesus Christ is as a Savior? Amen? Okay, very, on all the campuses, all the campuses, raise your hand real high, real high. Five. Okay, we got to get them. This Saturday, and I'm talking to all the campuses here, this Saturday we are having a training right here at the Point Loma campus. I, I announced it last week that we were going to have it at a City Heights campus with a 400 people limit. It, we already passed the 400, so I couldn't announce it today if we didn't move it. So we're going to have it here. And we're having the author of the book, God's Not Dead. He, he wrote a book and he got the movies and, and, he, and he's coming here uh, Long story, long story why he's coming, but he, we met, we talked about this, and it was a complete, incredibly divine appointment that we met December 7th, or reconnected, I should say. He's coming here. We're going to do a training from 9 to 1. It is free right here. Two things are going to happen. Everybody that comes is going to be better equipped and start on the journey of being able to share your faith in a powerful way. 
Number one. Number two, there are going to be a lot of y'all who have been called to be evangelists. I'm not talking about full-time ministry, but God has put it on your heart to not only do evangelism, but to train other people. All of us are supposed to share our faith. This is not my job. It's all of us. So we're all going to get equipped. And so I want to encourage all of you to come. It's free. I know it's football games. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be right there, uh, wherever. And it, it, we are going, going to focus on getting all those five people you said. And if you had five, you got ten that don't know Jesus Christ that you need to share. You, you have the greatest news. I have this vision. I had a vision of these people in line going to heaven. And there's another line of people going to hell. And someone from that line yelled to someone in this line, how come you never told me? And they said, well, I invited you to church. No, 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 how come you didn't tell me? And so I want to encourage you to come Saturday. Uh, there's information, it's, and you can go to there and register. And by the way, Tuesday, two days from now, I'm going to be on, I'm going to have a Zoom with everybody that's registered so I can prepare you in detail for Saturday. So when you leave Saturday, you are ready to go. And you are on a journey. Can I get amen? And so please register between now and Tuesday so I can, you can get on the Zoom Tuesday and we can talk about it. Okay? And if you're at whatever campus you're at, come on to San Diego. We're going to film it for Oahu. We're going to get it to you. We're not going to stream it, but we're going to film it. We'll get it to you. But I, I'm, I'm jacked up because what God's going to do in your life, let me tell you something. You know, people say, well, I go to church and I don't get fed. Listen, go talk to somebody about Jesus and you'll get fed. Okay, if you're just looking for information to grow you, that's not going to grow you only. You have to go do it. And the most powerful thing you can do is share the good news with someone who doesn't know it and see their life transformed. Okay? Okay, let's pray one more time because I'm going to pray for y'all. Because I know a lot of y'all, y'all, some of y'all's hearts are beating. Yeah, Lord, I just pray for passion. I pray for evangelists. I pray for that every single person, whether they think they're an evangelist or not, would realize they need to be able to share their faith with their friends, their family, their coworkers. And I pray that you bring them out Saturday in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Come on, church. Okay, turn to... Turn to uh, Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. Um, I'm from New York, and, and every summer for about five different summers, I grew up right outside New York City, uh, Manhattan. And I would work in Manhattan every summer because I was uh, my girlfriend's, uh, I worked for her father. He had an uh, office there. And one of the things in New York that you will, always walk by when you're walking down the street is uh, a, a wall of paneling, a plywood. And the plywood is along the sidewalk and on the other side of the plywood is a big hole in the ground where they are getting ready to build a high rise, 30, 40, 50, 100 stories high. It is absolutely incredible how they do this. And I'll walk by this every day, every day, every day, every day, all summer. And it'll be plywood. I'll come back next year and there's a high rise there. And what they've done for months and months and months is they dig down, 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 down and build a foundation that's, I don't know, every building's different. But as a matter of fact, in case you didn't know, the, the Twin Towers that were taken down on 9-11, underneath was a mall and levels of malls and uh, train stations, subway stations underneath. And underneath Manhattan, is a, it's a whole city underneath the city. If you've never been there, you got to go and you got to experience it. It's absolutely incredible. Madison Square Garden, underneath is Penn Station, where all the trains from around the city in Long Island go underneath the Madison Square Garden. It is an amazing city. Anyway, you have to build down before you have to go up. 
Over the next eight weeks, we are going to teach you the values of this church. Now, we just developed these values as a staff. We developed these values over the last several months. There are eight values that define what we are about at this church. And so we wanted to start the year off by sharing those with you. All I'm going to do is give you the highlights now, and over the next eight weeks, we'll talk about them. Okay, so here they are. Number one, Jesus is our message. We're going to go through these quick because I don't want want to take the whole sermon to do this. Number two, worship is our posture. This is so key to have worship as our posture. Number three, Prayer is our priority. Matter of fact, say these with me out loud. Number four, say discipleship is our calling. Number five, people are our focus. Number six, do something is our response. We're a do some church. That's why we started a community. Number seven, generosity is our privilege. It's a privilege to give. And number eight, love is our motivation. Come on, church. Come on, church. Today, today, Jesus is our message. Not politics, not social action. Jesus is our message. Everyone say Jesus is our message. I want you to imagine you are in the restaurant, Starbucks, Chili's, wherever you go, and you are enjoying whatever you're putting in your mouth to consume. And right before you eat it, drink it, you say a prayer. And right after you say your prayer and eat your food, someone comes over to you and says, hey, I noticed you praying. Are you a Christian? And you, depending on who you are, go, oh, well, uh, yeah. (laughs) And they say to you, "Um, I'm going through a hard time. Can you help me know God? What do you say? Please don't say come to church on Sunday. First, coming here is not the answer. Them knowing Jesus is the answer. And in that moment, what do you say? I want to read to you a definition of the gospel that we're going to teach you on Saturday. It is one description of the gospel. There's a lot of ways to say it. But this is what we're going to, and by the way, I'm going to, if, if you're going to come on Saturday, I'm going to challenge you to memorize this because this is something you need to memorize and then be able to explain the gospel. Look what it says. It says, the gospel, let's read this out loud. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he's the son of God. An offering forgiveness of sins and the gift of salvation to anyone who repents and believes. Let's read it again one more time. You should memorize this. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived, died a death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the son of God and offering the forgiveness of sins and the gift of salvation to anyone who repents and believes in him. Um, There was a couple who had a child and the child, they had a baby so they could love the baby. By the way, don't ever have a baby for any other reason than for you to love that baby. They had the baby, the baby grew up turned his back on them, went out and committed a crime and was sentenced to five years hard labor. The dad of the baby decided, I don't want my son to go spend, waste five years of his life in hard labor. I will serve that labor for him. Every crime deserves punishment. Can I get amen? 
Amen. And that father served the five years for the son. And after he got out, the son, and then the son got to live his life. God created man to have relationship. Man committed a crime against God, sin. Crime deserves a punishment, death. So we had to pay for our sin, our crime against God, which is our sin. He said, I will send my son to die in your place to pay your penalty for your sin against me. So he sent his son Jesus. His son Jesus died, paid for your sin, and rose from the dead. And and now he's saying to you, you could either pay for your sin on your own or you can accept my son's death in your place. That's the gospel. And if every single one of us can learn and understand how to explain that to people and lead people on a journey to not only accept Christ and say, Lord, I want you to forgive me. I want to accept your death in my place for the crime I committed. How many of y'all have sinned in your life? Very good. You've sinned against God. That is your crime. And because God is a loving God and fair God, he has to punish you. It's like a parent having two kids. One kid lies and the other kid doesn't. And the parent does not punish the kid who lies. And the kid who didn't lie says that's not fair. He's exactly right. Because we've sinned, God has to punish sin. And because God is holy, that punishment has to fulfill and meet the standard of his holiness, death. So three things we're going to talk about. Say incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection. Number one, look what it says. Incarnation, incarnation. What did the gospel say? The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. God became man in Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death on the cross. God looked at us and said, look at man. I love them. I made them, but they turned their back on me. And the only way they can pay for their crime is that I go down and pay for it themselves. Not only did God die for us, not only did Jesus become a man, be born of a virgin, he had sisters and brothers, he had a job, he had friends, he grew up as a Hebrew, a Jewish boy in the synagogue, 30 years old, he gets baptized, he gets filled with the Spirit of God, he has a three-year ministry, but he was hungry, he slept, he was, he was tired, he was stressed, he was beaten, he bled, he was a human. And he lived 33 years. And he became a man because he not only had to die for us, he had to die as us. And then he lived the life we should have lived, sinless. Adam and Eve were made to live no sin. They were created to have a relationship with God. They were created in the image of God, to walk with God, and they turned their back on God. Do you know that God's, the relationship God wants to have for you is way beyond what you could ask or imagine? We live a somewhat of what I call a ghetto life. And what I mean by that, we live so below what God created us for. He created to give you vision and power and love and joy and peace that you, can not, you can't ask or imagine. That's why we go after sex and drugs and alcohol to try to fulfill this emptiness we have. And it never works. And so God created for something so much more. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they, they, they lowered the standard. 
And then Jesus came and said, let me, let me show you what it was really supposed to be. And then in Hebrews, look what the Bible says in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. This is a trip. It says, we do not have a high priest who is Jesus who cannot sympathize with our weakness. God is not a God who can't sympathize with your weakness. He was human. He walked. Matter of fact, you think you attempted? He was tempted by Satan himself. I trust me, Satan has not wasted his time on any of us. He sends his little, his flunky demons, okay? He ain't wasting his time. Jesus was actually tempted by Satan himself. And tempted means he had opportunity to disobey God. Whenever someone puts an opportunity in front of you, that's a, tempt a temptation. You don't have to take it. It don't mean you, you're sinful. It's there. It's all around. It's going to get amen. We get tempted all the time. So he, for 40 days and 40 nights, he was fasting. The devil comes to him. The devil himself, it says, <laughs> He was in all points tempted as we are, yet he was out without sin. He lived the life we should have lived. He lived the life we should have lived. We don't know anything but sin. Adam and Eve had, did no sin. And yet they chose sin. And therefore, a sinner made a sinner made a sinner. Just like a bear makes a bear, a, 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 a lion makes a lion, a bird makes a bird. Sinners make sinners. But they weren't created that way. Jesus said, let me show you how it was supposed to be done. And he says, he came, lived 33 years, never sinned. He lived the life we should have lived. He was a man, God lived the life we should have lived. Why? Because he came to say, I am going to be the perfect sacrifice. We're going to get to crucifixion in a minute. I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice for you and me. And then look what it says. Let us therefore, everyone say therefore. Anytime you see therefore, it goes from theoretical to practical. Anytime you see therefore, it goes from theoretical to practical. For example, your breath stinks, therefore brush your teeth. Y'all follow what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, okay. You need a girl, therefore put on a shirt because that body ain't working, okay? <laughs> let us therefore, <laughs> let us therefore Come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly doesn't mean arrogantly. It means confidently. I can go to God with anything because God knows. He, he was betrayed by his friends, his disciples, to death. You've never had that happen to you. God the Father, son was killed. He didn't die. He was killed by people he was dying for. You ever had that happen to you? The Bible says Jesus was a man of many sorrows. When we come to the throne of grace with our prayers and our burdens, God goes, I know what you feel. I created a whole world and a whole universe and, and a whole population of billions and billions of people and, and most of them rejected me. I know what you feel. I, I, I was brutally uh, uh, crucified right in front of them and they didn't even care. I know what you feel. How many of y'all been betrayed before? Oh, not like him. You're still alive. Amen. You haven't been betrayed by millions and billions of people. People who you blessed and empowered and given life and breath to for thousands of years and they still rejected you. You haven't been rejected like that. I'm not saying your rejection is not bad, but he knows. So when we go to him and say, God, I got a burden, he goes, I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So therefore, let us come boldly or confidently to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in due time and in time of need. We have to go to him. 
So incarnation, Jesus became, God became man and lived the life we should have lived. Number two, he was crucified. Crucifixion. He died the death that we should have died in our place. He died the death that we should have died in our place. Um, all throughout the Old Testament, which by the way is the prefix to the New Testament. God created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve sinned, and when they sinned, they tried to cover their sin with leaves. And God said, no, the penalty of sin has to be bloodshed because your sin is an offense against me, and the offense against me, the punishment is death. He told them, if you eat from that tree, you will die. That means the penalty of sin is death. The reason we all die is because of sin. You weren't supposed to die. We weren't supposed to die. Death kills us. Sin kills us. And so when God told Adam and Eve, if you sin, you're going to die. So when they sin, they tried to cover their sin with, with leaves. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. Leaves can't cover your sin. It requires life. Something has to die. So God killed an animal, covered them with, with animal skin. All throughout the Old Testament, bloodshed was the, was the payment for sin. When the Israelites were in Israel, in Egypt, in slavery, the, how they got delivered was the Passover. And they put the blood of the lamb on the door of their house. And if they put the blood of the lamb on the door of the house, the, the angel of death would pass over their house. That's what Passover means. It was because of blood that they were set free. And then when Moses got the law in the book of Leviticus, he said, here's all the different laws to get your sins uh, forgiven. And it was all about bloodshed. The Bible says life is in the blood and there's no forgiveness, ex no remission of sin except with blood. And then Jesus comes and says, you know all that Old Testament stuff, y'all, that y'all been shedding blood for all these years? I'm the lamb that will be slain. He was setting them up. Not setting them up, but preparing them and teaching them in the, the payment of sin is bloodshed. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 9. It says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. The greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the, for the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, say blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot and blemish. He offered himself holy. Why? Because God, sin against God requires a holy, perfect sacrifice. The blood of an animal will never do it. That's what I had. Matter of fact, if you, if you know Yom Kippur, the, the Jews celebrate every year Yom Kippur. It is a day of atonement when their sins are forgiven. And ceremonially, they, they, they were supposed to uh, offer the blood of animals. But they had to do it every year. Why? Because it wasn't, the, 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 the blood of animals wasn't sufficient. It wasn't holy. They tried to make it holy with all these traditions, which is what the Bible taught. But the, what the, the Old Testament is teaching you that it's not adequate. And Jesus said, because you had to do it over and over again proves that it's not adequate. So here I am going to die once and for all because I am the holy, perfect sacrifice for your sin. Come on. Come on, church. 
and it will cleanse, watch this, Jesus' blood will cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. God, when God forgives you, he actually cleanses your mind. By the way, raise your hand if you got saved, you ever asked Christ to be your savior, and God has changed you. This stuff you used to do, you don't do anymore. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. He cleanses your mind. You can't you can sacrifice the animal and do that. So the crucifixion is that God said, I am going to send my son the perfect sacrifice for your crime. Now, you could decide to pay for your crime on your own. That's called hell. No one wants you to go to hell. God wants you to come to heaven. That's why he sent his son to live the life you should have lived and die a death that you should have died. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. Oh, snap. <laughs> Come on, church. Oh, snap. He rose from the dead. And by the way, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteous of God in him. Jesus had zero sin. If you've ever been criticized before, if you've ever been talked about before, if you've ever been stabbed in the back before, you might have done something to deserve a little bit. Can I get an amen? I mean, and maybe you did nothing, but you're still not perfect. Jesus died and never did anything. And when he was on the cross, God actually made all the penalty of all of our sin was credited to him. You know what the good news about that is? He took it for you. He did it for you. You know what the sad burden part about it is? People don't know. And they walk around trying to pay for their sin on their own. And there's nothing you can buy, earn, grow, create, make, can't work hard enough to pay the debt that we have for our sin. That's why Jesus' death is good news. And here's the third part, resurrection. Oh, snap. <laughs> because if he died and stayed dead, he did. And by the way, the whole gospel, the whole gospel, let me say the whole gospel. The whole, all of Christianity is based on one simple fact. Did Jesus rise from the dead? It's not based on the Bible being true. <laughs> and let, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Of course, the Bible is true, but you may find a, you know, this contradicts this and someone may twist you up. Okay, forget that. If someone can, can, can come up with some difficulty in the Bible that you don't understand, don't worry about that. Go learn it, but that's not the end of the world. Here's the end of the world. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, everything's, everything's canceled. Everything's canceled. The Bible even tells that. Look what it says. I'm, I'm going to go to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Look what it says. Resurrection. It says, if Christ is not risen, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. That's what the Bible says. If Jesus is still dead, none of this matters. The Bible can have every single word exactly right. But if Jesus is still dead, it don't matter. If he's, listen to what I'm telling you. If he's still, if people say, well, can you prove God? You may be able to say, I can't prove God. But I can prove that. I can show you that Jesus rose from the dead. So if Jesus is risen from the dead, that is what all of Christianity rests on. Because if he rose from the dead, unlike Buddha, unlike Confucius, unlike Muhammad, all these other religious leaders and all these other faiths, they don't have a risen savior. They never claim to have a risen savior. 
We have a risen Savior. That's what makes Christianity different from all other faiths on the planet forever. But look what it says. Look what it says. Go back to that verse. Yes, and we are found false. If Jesus hasn't risen from dead, we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he is raised from the Christ. We said he rose from dead, whom he did not raise from dead. If in fact the dead do not raise, for if the dead do not raise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and we are still in our sins. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you asking for forgiveness don't work. Because he's not the holy sacrifice. And we're back to the, to, the, to the animals. We're back to needing another sacrifice. How do we know he rose from the dead? Well, besides the fact the Bible says he rose from the dead. All his disciples who were scared when he got killed, all of a sudden claimed they saw a risen savior. And they were so emboldened and encouraged that they were willing to die for their faith. People don't die for stuff they don't know about. Paul, who was, a who was a persecutor of the Christians, claimed he saw a risen Savior. Paul's name was Saul. The Apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, saw a risen Savior and converted from being a persecutor of the church to being an apostle, one of the leaders of the church. The, the Roman soldiers were, were called, paid and commissioned to guard the tomb where Jesus was. If you want to dis disqualify all Christianity, all they had to do was to produce the body. It wasn't a mystery where he was, where he was buried because a, a leader in the community's tomb was used and the Roman soldiers put, the Roman government put the soldiers in front of the tomb where Jesus was because the Jews were scared they were going to steal the body and if they stole the body and said he rose from the dead, they may, Christianity may explode. Well, guess what? He came out, the soldiers fell over dead and they walked around saying, look, and people saw him and, and Christianity exploded. Here we are 2,000 years ago. There is no evidence that he's dead and that would be not hard to find. He rose. People saw him. People changed. Matter of fact, the Roman guards guarded him for penalty of death if he got out. So they made a deal with the Jews to say, just say that he, they stole the body. But these, these are like Navy SEALs. How are some disciples, fishermen, going to steal the body in front of 12 Romans and Navy SEAL dudes? No, some angel said, y'all got to back up, back up. He's coming out. Here's my point. Is that God became man in Jesus Christ. He died to pay for your sin and my sin. He rose from the dead to prove he was God. And he's offering you salvation if you repent. That's the gospel. And if, you're, if you can understand how to share that with your friends and let the Holy Spirit do something in the heart. Truth be told, I was in a department store, 19 years old. Some two hippies walked up to me. No lie, Charles Manson, long hair, beards, bummy clothes, beat up Bibles, holy jeans. And came and said, hey, I don't remember any of their words, but I'm just going to make it up. Hey, how you doing? Can we share the good news of Jesus? I was like, all right. All right. And, and they just shared a simple version of what I just said. And I was like, okay. And here I am today. You, 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 all of you, you have to be able to share that. In a minute, we're going to pray. But before I pray, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. A, B, C, A, admit that you need forgiveness for your crime against God. B, that you believe Jesus paid the consequences of your crime. Crime. 
And then C, commit your life to him. That's it. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is gonna come live inside of you. It's a relationship, not a religion. You're not joining the rock church, you're joining the family of God. And then the Holy Spirit does something in your life. Some of you may have prayed that prayer and you're like, I don't know if I really mean it. Let's do it again. Let's do it for show. And if you brought somebody with you, we're gonna ask them to join you in this commitment. But before I, before I pray, I wanna challenge you this Saturday, please come and come with an open heart. It doesn't matter what personality, if you say, oh, I don't like to talk to a lot of people, still, you talk to people. Whether you got a big personality, small personality, quiet, introvert, whatever, God uses all of us. He created all of us. And sometimes it's the most simplest, simple, quiet, soft person. Hey, uh, you mind if I could pray for you? And all of a sudden you're like, yes, because the spirit of God. It's not always a loud person. I'm loud because God made me loud. Don't, don't hate on that. And some of y'all are quiet because God made you quiet. Some of, y'all, some of y'all talk a lot, some of y'all talk a lot. It, it's, it's God uses all kinds because he's the God of creativity. The God of creativity who created so I'm going to ask all y'all to bow your heads and close your eyes. The good news is that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived a life that we should have lived, died a death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he's the son of God and offering forgiveness of sins and the gift of salvation to anyone who repents. If you would like to ask Jesus Christ to be your savior, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart, all the campuses. Pray, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness for my crime against God. I believe Jesus was God in the flesh that he died for my sin and rose from the dead. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart and be my savior. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, in a minute I'm gonna ask you to stand if you prayed that prayer in whatever campus you're in. I'm gonna ask you to stand if you came with someone, I'm gonna ask them to stand with you we need to walk this journey together. So on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to stand. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before, man, I'll be ashamed of you. He died in public for you and me. We need to live for him in public. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to stand up. One, two, three, stand to your feet. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Amen. Now I'm gonna ask all of y'all who are standing, in a minute I'm gonna ask you to come down to the altar. If you're in a balcony, all you have to do is turn around and walk around and the ushers will bring you down. The rest of us, we wanna celebrate. Amen, we wanna celebrate. So if you're standing up, come on down to the altar. Let's get in a big hand, come on down. Come on, church. God bless you. Hey! Hey, hey! What's up, my man? Hello, how are you? How are you? I like that flow. What's up? 
Boom, 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 boom. God bless you. Come on, church. Come on, church. Hey, God bless you, brother.